are now tuned into Almost 30 Podcast. Ready to blast off. It's Lindsay and Krista. Thank you for being here. We're so, so grateful. If you're an OG, hello, friend. We have been doing this for almost six and a half, Mm -hmm. I think, six and a half years now. Um, And if you are new to the show, how exciting. We're really, really glad you're here and grateful that you chose Almost 30 to listen to. There's a lot out there. So very, very thankful. But we started this when we were going through, you know, that transition between your 20s and your 30s where life just feels like it's being flipped upside down in a lot of ways. And we're looking at what we can maybe become more aligned with, but it feels chaotic Mm -hmm. in the moment. So Krista and I found each other during that time. And we're having these very deep, meaningful conversations, which felt healing, supportive. And we're like, can we just support other people in doing this and also support ourselves, you know, in the process through our transitions? And that's how Almost 30 started. Yeah, baby. We learned a lot in the process. <laughs> Continue to learn. <laughs> Continue to learn, honestly. It's been, yeah. How are you doing? I am, I'm doing well. I, I know I was thinking about that before we hopped on because we're like, let's just do a nice little check-in. And this season of my life, I feel more powerful personally, mm-hmm. you know, in my everyday than I have in a while. Mm-hmm. And I think that's come from having a, a lot of discernment around what is for me and what is not? Because I've been I've been a person most of my life that's like, yeah, sure, <laughs> you know, and just kind of allowing things in and out, and and I think there's a beauty to that. And I also um, am really enjoying being clear mm-hmm. and being a bit more discerning um, about what I do, about relationships, about um, just choices that I make. So that's kind of where I'm at, and. I think coming spring is always like it is one of my favorite seasons just to really ride that like new new that new energy of coming out of winter. This was my first winter back on the East Coast and I really loved the hibernation for a period of time and then I was like I am literally ready to freaking yeah. flutter about. Please let me out. <laughs> Let, Letitia messaged me the other day. She's like, "Hey, I went to Wolfgang Pucks and it was sexy. We need to go out way more." <laughs> She's like, we're not, we're we're hiking and walking too much. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so true because that's. You're I'm like, like don't ask me twice. Honestly, no. I'm like, hanging no, out with me is literally a hiker walk. Period. The end. And I was like, damn, she's so right. But also, I was like, babe, it's spring. Everyone feels that way. It's like, and we were locked in for two years. Yeah. So now that we're allowed to be out, we have to go out. It is. Yeah, that's true. I'm down, actually. I've enjoyed, I don't go out a ton, but when we do, I want to put on an outfit I love. Yes. I want to do it up. I want to put a heel on maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And just kind of, I don't know. Yeah. Try that on for a night. I know I did get, we, I went to dinner with Debbie the other day and we got, re- we're like, let's get ready. Let's be, f- let's full out. And it was fun. I yes. was like, I haven't done this in so long. Oh, nice. Like a girl's dinner where you actually get ready and like, yes, have wine. And it was funny too. Debbie was like, I was like, you can order the wine. She's like, okay, let me, let me order the wine. She's like, I like oaky. I'm like, I fucking hate oaky. <laughs> she's like, she's like, I like it like not sweet. I'm like, I hate, I want it sweet. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I think I just want like a slushy. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I want it sweet. Fruity, like I, I was like, oh fuck, this is what a real wine drinker wants. Yes, totally. They're like oaky, like soft finish, blah blah blah. It's like soil. Yes, I was like, <laughs> no, I'm like berries, chocolate. <laughs> like, I want it to be so, so, so sweet. Yeah, in this season, it feels, yeah, it feels exciting. It feels like there's new possibility. It feels really nice to start to travel again. Yeah. I'm really excited to travel mm-hmm. this year, and I felt like. I'm ready. I feel like I'm like chomping at the bit with life. I'm like, yeah. okay, let's fucking go. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. And I'm ready for everything that I've been working on for so long to be manifest, yes. or, you know, exist in the world. My decks, my app, like life edit, even writing the books. Mm-hmm. So I have books that I want to write and I'm impatient with them. And it's, yeah. I really need to enjoy the process because I talk about that all the time. It's like, well, what's think, your advice? The process is the point. Then I'm like, what? I know. <laughs> I'm like, who said that? Like, Skip the process. Yeah. I'm like, fuck that bitch. <laughs> I feel, but I feel like there's a beauty to that chomping at the bit energy. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, you can really use it. Yeah. You know? And I yeah. feel like you use it very well. Where yeah. you're just like, let's. I think that's my whole life. 
mm-hmm. chomping at the bit, <laughs> to be honest. You're a horse. I'm actually <laughs> a horse. <laughs> My whole life has been chomping at the bit. Yeah, I, I just feel like I'm always wanting that. Wanting more. And never satisfied. Mm. I'm 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 sometimes satisfied if I'm like in Ibiza with Jenna Zoe. Yeah. <laughs> Chef is making us a meal. I'm like, I am satisfied. Finally, <laughs> living a five-star <laughs> lifestyle, resting all day. <sighs> but yeah, I feel like often I'm not. And this is the thing with doing things, these projects and things that you create. Yeah. It's like there's the the world of social media and digital where it's like, I create a TikTok in four seconds and I get this mm-hmm. much likes or I get this much shares or I create a story and this many people engage, blah, blah, blah. So it's beautiful because that's a really beautiful thing that you can create fast and get feedback fast. But then there's things that you're creating that take a long time. Yes. And so many people are doing things like that where it's taking years. Like my deck is taking, it's taken probably a year or so, two years maybe. And it's like, oh, there's things in the world that exist that take a while. Yes. And yeah. and I forget about that part of creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was talking to Kiki about this with the music, and I was like, I'm frustrated. Like, I want to find the da 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 and the collaborator yes. and put out and blah blah blah. And she's like, Yeah, there's there's really this important and imperative period of like no one hearing or no one knowing, and you just being with it. I'm like, I feel like I've been with it for a long time. But mm. she's like, you can still take that inspired action, but not feel that pressure to like put it out, put it out and have people consume it and give you that immediate feedback. There's just, like, there's a stance. And I think to the things that are going to have, you know, sustainable, ever evolving impact, like your deck, like the books, like there is that gestation period mm. that's important that we like yes. be in, even if it's a little frustrating. Because in the world, you want to be like, I'm here. This is, you know, yes. like, you know, you constantly I mean, want to be like offering, creating, doing. Totally. And then when you're like, no, I'm actually working on something that's taking a long time. You feel kind of, feels annoying. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, this just takes forever. But it's interesting too, because when I'll talk to friends or people and they're like, what are you working on? They're like, oh, nothing really. And then they'll say like 12 things. <laughs> totally. They're like, oh, you know, not. And then you're like, I'm making a world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's it's wild. This is an experience I have where I have this standard of what I can do and how much I can create or how much I can put out. And mm-hmm. now it's so high that it's like, it never feels like there's enough coming out. Yeah. You know, because also mm-hmm. too, there's like time. It's like, I want to create these things, but when do you have time? Yes. And I don't want to, I actually don't want to be working all the time. Yeah. That's, you know, another part of my life where I don't want to be working. I want to enjoy my life. So it's the balance of wanting to bring so much out in the world and wanting to enjoy my life Mm -hmm. throughout the process. I've been like feeling called to like go back to like some of our worlds and histories, like greatest artists, whether it's like actual Mm -hmm. artists, musicians, whatever. And I like got all these Mozart books, LOL, but like I just felt called (laughs) because I'm like, he wrote books biographies and like things like that. I feel like there is something that social media and the immediacy of producing and putting things out, which is really cool and fun and inspiring. But then we forget that, you know, a Mozart spent how many years on Mm -hmm. the one piece that we all know, or he didn't finish most of his life. You know what I mean? Like there's just this thing that I want to remember Mm -hmm. about being an artist on like a soul level. And I don't want it to be forgotten or distorted by this like immediacy that I feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the immediacy to share. Yeah. It's cool to read those biographies because then you're like, they were fucking weird. So weird. You're like, they were so weird. Mm Mm-hmm. And there was something, it's interesting too, because we realize and understand what channeling is and what energetics are and what the spiritual world, I guess, spirits, energies, whatever. You're like, oh, they were totally tapping in. Oh, Like Tesla. You know, you're like, okay, you were totally tuned into something else. Yes. Like it's most things that come through, they're higher self-driven or they're a higher level of consciousness driven. Yes. And imagine like how much less stimuli they had and how much more room for contemplation. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, she's joking. It's like walking with your hands behind your back and you're like, Mm-hmm. On a pebble road. Yeah, and you're just like, 
between mm. grass fields. <laughs> I know, honestly. And Spirit's like, hello. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> they're like, what's up? Yeah, they're like, happy Wednesday. Because <laughs> they get it every day. Every day. Every day. It's and ours crazy. is like, like so much like static yes. and frenetic energy. Just, yeah, it's it's a totally different ball game. Uh-huh. But now because of technology, consciousness goes and evolves at that level. So our consciousness is evolving and growing. But there's always a Frank Ocean model. Mm-hmm. Say more. Drop the most yes. beautiful, perfect pieces of art and peace out. Mm-hmm. I love that. Peace out for years. I love that. And just do your thing. He said, if you are going to do that, you have to be comfortable with making less money. Mm-hmm. He's like, I became comfortable with making less money. And that's why I'm able to do what I do. Just drop something insane, leave, mm-hmm. you know? That's really profound. Being comfortable with making less money. Yeah. But then what do you get back with exactly the time, peace the energy, mind, the peace. Because like, once you, if we're talking mainstream music specifically, I've been thinking about that a lot where I'm like, once you agree or say yes to wanting to be mainstream, there are certain things you have to do. There is a certain grind mm-hmm. and quote, sacrifice you have to make in a lot of ways that take away from being an artist that I think, yeah, it's, it like yeah. saddens me a Your little Your art bit. gets commodified. Yeah. And then it gets taken on by other people and it just becomes something that it originally wasn't. Mm-hmm. And that happens all the time. Yeah. You know, so yes, the plight of life. Well, wanted to catch up with you guys and just share a little bit about what's on our heart and our minds and then talk about today's episode that we have. So this is one with just me. And this was inspired by a series of conversations that I've been having with my therapist. And this is on internal family systems and how I'm leveraging that in therapy to support me in my body acceptance journey. And I've found that internal family systems has been so profound in general. So I'll talk a little bit about my journey with using internal family systems in different parts and the capital S self in life and then how I've leveraged it as an example in my body acceptance journey in a really powerful way that's really shifted a lot for me that I felt like would be really great because I think mm-hmm. a lot of you can relate to the body acceptance conversation and all the podcasts that I've done on on that. So I really wanted to bring you up to speed with what's been going on with me and my body love, my body journey. Did your therapist bring this modality to you or did you know about it before? She, she brought it to me. Cool. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, part, internal family systems is wild. Like, Once you get it, it's just... You can see it in other people. So I was in the car with my friend and she was talking about someone that she really likes. And we were talking about her relationship with this person. She was talking about how much she cares for them, how she thinks they're the one for most of the car conversation. And then all of a sudden I saw the switch and she goes, yeah, but I'm just gonna, you know, kind of uh, play it cool and totally, you know, not really say anything. And, And you saw this complete switch to the protector part of herself where the entire time we're talking about how much she likes this person, how you know much she cares for this person. And then all of a sudden there was a switch of like, mm-hmm. I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to kind of pull back. I'm going to play it cool. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say, you know, it was just like, it was so obvious. It was wild. I'm like, that's not what you want. Yes, That's not the real you. Like the real true capital S self really cares for this person and, and doesn't want to pull back high. Mm-hmm. It was just fascinating. And I think when people look at parts, you can look at them and your partners and people that you know and just judge them and use it against them. <laughs> no, but you can use it's it helpful. to support yourself and support Because I told her, I was like, hey, babe, that's not at all what we were talking about for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. That type what of, was that? Yeah. it totally switched of being scared. I was like, that's not at all what you truly want as like your highest expression. And I can catch it now in myself when I have parts that are activated, that are not the real me, that are either protecting, that are either saving, that are either managing, that are either angry, frustrated. Like there's different aspects of ourself that have been manifested or created over time to protect us and to keep us safe among other things. I've been wanting to really practice that within friendships or with family where in the moment, if I do feel that, if I feel that shift or I feel one of those parts kind of making its way to the forefront, it's like how to hold up up a mirror lovingly, you know, where it can open up the conversation more. Usually it's like an inquiry of like, oh, I I just noticed. And it's also taking the temperature of the person's openness to like go there. So there's just a lot 
of layers to kind of take into account. But I think that's such a beautiful part of a healthy relationship is to be so present that you're able to notice and then get curious with a person because I think that's like real vulnerability and that's real deepening of connection. Yes. It's powerful and it's it's fun and it's just truth because it's so sweet. It's so sweet. Yeah. You know, I had another friend that had a breakup and after the breakup was like, okay, so I realized I need to do this work on myself. I need to do this shadow work. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, your manager's here to like protect you and be like, what can I can control yes. about the situation? And, you know, it's like, that's not... Mm-hmm. It's adorable, but I think there's just these parts that get activated that are really special and powerful. And then there's parts that we shame and have guilt mm-hmm. around. So in this, we talk about internal family systems and how I use it with body acceptance. We are actually going to have the founder of internal family systems on the podcast later this fall. So we'll be able to really dig into the entire process with an actual expert there. Um, I have more conversations around body. If you want to listen to those, you can search body almost 30 or make sure you're subscribed. We like to just keep you abreast with what's going on with us there. We're really glad you're part of our community. We have our membership. We have our courses and programs. We have support for podcasters. If you are someone that wants to make your podcast a business or grow it or launch it, we can support you through Podcast Pro. And then make sure you're following us on Instagram and TikTok. We like to share clips from episodes and quotes and then lots of inspiring info. Yeah, we will be opening up membership, as Chris has said, really, really soon. So make sure to get up to speed by going to almost30.com, sign up for our newsletter. Uh, we have a membership wait list there, but we cannot wait to welcome our next season of the membership. I know. I love our members. And then I'm on Instagram at it's Krista. It's I-T-S-K-R-I-S-T-A. And we can chat about this if mm-hmm. it resonated with you. Beautiful. All right, y'all. Enjoy this one and we will see you on the other side. See you soon. Father's Day is just around the corner, everybody. Do we have our gifts lined up? If you don't and you are looking to get someone in your life who was a dad or maybe your dad or father figure, I've got you. Manscaped, baby. They are the best in grooming hands down, okay? And I have a very specific recommendation. I feel like the dad in your life is going to love the performance package 4.0. It's here just in time for... Father's Day. Inside this package, here's what he's going to find. Their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, and Performance Boxer Briefs, which are so soft, so amazing, and a travel bag to hold all these goodies. So what I love about their products is that these products are skin safe. So you're not going to cut yourself They have very specific technology to make sure that around these sensitive areas, you are able to trim precisely, okay? Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce those accidents. And as I said, the advanced skin safe technology is incredible. Plus it's waterproof, also has a 400K LED spotlight. So you can really get in there, really see what's happening. I actually use the ear and nose trimmer as well as the lawnmower. So I'm using this for my sensitive spots at times. Um, I use the ear nose trimmer for my nose. It's amazing and works phenomenally. So whether it's for Father's Day or beyond, go to manscaped.com, okay? And use the code ALMOST30. You'll get 20% off plus free shipping. That's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code ALMOST30. ALMOST30 is the code for 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com slash ALMOST30. Hello and welcome to a solo episode with me, Krista. I'm really excited that you're here. I'm really excited to share something that has been super helpful for me and super transformative for my relationship to myself and my relationship to my body. I've talked quite a bit about my body acceptance journey, which I'm very much still on, on this show. I've done about three solo episodes about that entire process. So you can search body almost 30 and find um, my body acceptance tips. You can find my body acceptance journey and you can find anything related to the full breakdown of this experience being in a body in this lifetime and having so many issues around it, which is so 
sad to say. During this episode, I want to talk about what I learned in therapy as a way to share something that I'm hopeful is helpful for you because I've already shared so many of my tips. So hopefully this is a good one as well. I want this to feel super conversational. I want you to feel like we're having lunch or hanging out, like I'm just sharing something that's been super relevant and helpful for me with you. So for just a little bit of background, if you haven't listened to those episodes and heard about my body journey, I'll give you like the cliff notes. It's kind of sad to go back and even think about it. And honestly, it's hard to talk about it on a public platform and it's hard to talk about it so publicly because it's something that it still is kind of odd for me to draw attention to. One, in the sense that I feel better about my relationship to my body than ever before. So it feels a little expired, but then it also feels like it draws attention to it in a way that I don't like where I'm saying I have issues with my body or I've struggled with my body for pretty much my whole life. And then I feel like people look at me and they're like, huh, what would she struggle with? (laughs) And then honestly, there's a part of my mind that's like, wow, yeah, now people are going to be looking at my body, thinking about all the ways that I should hate my body. That's honestly a thought that comes through my mind. I have struggled with disordered eating, uh, negative uh, self-talk. I have been someone that has taken stimulants. I have taken caffeine pills from a young age. I was taking other people's prescriptions from a young age to try and lose weight. I um, would binge. I would restrict. I would um, count my calories. I tried every single diet under the sun. And this started at a very young age when I was little. And this was something that within my family, there was certain situations and conversations that really, really taught me how important it was to look a certain way and how important it was to be thin and how important it was to be attractive and how important it was to not be fat. You know, that was sort of the phrasing and terminology that was used within my family. There was a deep fear around being fat. And I say the word fat because that was the word that they used. And I remember so many experiences where it was affirmed to me that it was very bad and it was very dangerous if I was to be overweight or if I was to be um, someone that wasn't in a thin body. And I always have felt like it was this dark passenger of sorts. So if you have watched the show Dexter, which I watched a lot in college until it gave me such bad nightmares, I couldn't take it anymore. He calls something the dark passenger. And I always felt like that my whole life where I had this like me that existed. And then the second conversation that was consistently going on in my head, that was counting my calories, counting my workouts, making sure that, you know, I had a good balance of the scales of how much I was eating, how much I was working out, how much I weighed, how I looked, you know, what my arms looked like in that photo, all of these things. And it really controlled my life for a really long period of time. I never actually believed that I could get out of it until I got older and I really, you know, was forced to face it. And it was really something that I had to do. For me, a lot of the body journey and a lot of my body um, struggles really came from my mother wound. You know, it came from uh, seeing my mom really struggle with her body growing up and really having so much of the verbiage of body hate and body shame and body guilt and body just disgust really happening in my household. You know, I didn't see anyone that I knew celebrating their body or um, enjoying their body or having pleasure in their body or feeling good in their clothes. It seemed like it was very normalized where I grew up and how I grew up to hate yourself and to hate your body and to feel disgusted by the way you looked. And more importantly, to always be on that consistent journey of losing weight where it's never enough. You know, if we are all part of this conversation where we are on this path to lose weight and we never truly get there, I mean, the great thing about being at war with your body and your weight is that, you know, you always have something to work on. You always have your work cut out for you. You will always have something to do if you are always at war with your body and weight. And I remember so much of my mental conversation with myself was really about losing weight. Like, if I took all of the energy back that I spent on trying to be a certain size or lose weight, watch out. Watch out, world. I think about that all the time. 
and I want to do a deeper conversation about this probably on another podcast, but how much energy is spent as women trying to be smaller, trying to lose weight, trying to look a certain way, and how that's so perfect to keep us small, literally and figuratively. And as long as you're striving and pushing and really trying hard to do something that you know has no end or can never be done, then really you know who you are because you're someone that's always striving and you're someone that's always struggling. And we know within the weight loss game, and I was someone that really you know, had to experience this myself where I had tried really, really hard to be a certain weight. I eventually you know, was working out seven or eight times a week, multiple times a day, eating freaking Quest bars for every meal. And I got below my goal weight. And I remember being below my goal weight and thinking it wasn't enough. And this goal weight was something that I probably should never have been at or never should be at. And I'll never forget that moment where I was like, wow, I'm not any happier. I'm not any different. And I think many of us have this experience where we're so busy chasing that, that we either move the goalpost or we realize that it doesn't make us any happier. And this has been proven. This happens a lot with money. When people acquire a lot of money, they're not any happier. Or when they get into a relationship after the hormones have worn off, you know, they're not any happier. This can also be an experience that we feel within our body because we're not really tending to the actual issue at hand. So when you're someone that really is defined by the striving and pushing of the body, you are someone that is really working hard to change that body. You are someone who knows you need to lose weight and to be thin. You are someone that always has a goal that can really never be reached. So you're always, always striving. Failing is really part of that game. There's no way that you could win and really wake up and be like, I am full acceptance of my body a lot of times when you're on this journey. So what I really did within this is I really stopped playing the game. I started to really imagine a world where I didn't diet or talk about my body or count calories, where I wasn't at war with my body and really trying to fix myself. And this really was important as part of my spiritual path where I realized that, you know, I'm a part of God, that God is within me. It's not out there. It's actually in me. I think a lot of the torture that we do to ourselves is because we forget that there's God inside of us, that we are actually a living fractal of the divine and our divinity is within our soul that rests in this body, in this home. And when we define ourselves like by weight or numbers or things like this, whether it's follower count or bank accounts, there is a beautiful part of us that really rebels against that because we know we're so much more and we know we're meant for so much more. We all know that the value of a soul, or in this case, when I explain the higher self, is not dependent on a number or a goal. So it's really important within this when we're talking about the soul and the higher self that we're able to differentiate and recognize that because that's going to be a huge part of how you're going to be able to leverage internal family systems and the tools within it to support your body acceptance journey. When we feel like there's something missing in our lives and in our experience, it usually is because there is. It usually because it is because we've lost our connection to source and our soul and really who we are at our core. So I was someone that struggled my whole life from a very young age. I've done every diet. I've done everything I could. I've restricted. I've binged. I've hated my body. I've been up. I've been down. I've been all the things. And I've had all of the patterns. So we can talk about all of them. And the problem, you know, in disordered eating or eating disorders, we know is not about the food. It's not about the eating habits or the weight. And this is why it's so interesting for me being in this space of wellness and spirituality, because I can always tell if someone has struggled with an eating disorder, disordered eating, because it's when the person is like, just try intuitive eating or just, you know, don't eat the thing or, you know, just kind of... It's very black and white for those that don't struggle in the way that you do when you have disordered eating or an eating disorder. And so when people sometimes prescribe things or say things in such a simplified way where it's like, eat this, not that, <laughs> or intuitively eat, I'm like, I don't think you understand. I know what to eat. That is not my issue. It is not about me knowing or educating myself it's not about that for me. It is all about the entire journey and the process that goes into it, that overtakes me as I'm going through it all. So the problem again is not 
about the food or the eating habits or the weight. It's really about the coping response we have to past trauma. It's about the shame. It's about the anxiety. And we develop all of these habits, the shame, the anxiety, and how we cope with the trauma in harmful habits. And these can be eat disordered eating or eating in a disordered way. For me, that was binging and restricting. That was obsessive calorie counting. That was all of these different things that were so detrimental to my health. And we create these habits such as disordered eating to deal with the experiences in life that overwhelm us with fear, grief, shame, or emotional pain. So these eating strategies are really coping mechanisms for us because we are overwhelmed. We have an overwhelmed system. We have an overwhelmed nervous system. And they really, really help us deal with the experience of fear, grief, and shame or any other emotional pain. Mine is overwhelm often. You know, I used to remember I would just never really give myself a break. So I was so much in the paradigm of my worth is in how much I'm working or producing. And I still catch myself in that sometimes. But I found myself so intricately connecting my value to my work, how much I was doing, my hustle, all of that, that I would get so tired and exhausted that I never really gave myself a break until I would binge or until I would eat. And that would be when I'm completely exhausted, my system is so overwhelmed, and I found that the only solace or the only respite or the only rest was when I was eating or binging. So that was something else that I would do. And so this brings me to internal family systems and how I have brought that into my experience with my body and disordered eating. This came up in a therapy session with my therapist that I've been working with for over two years now. She's incredible. We were talking about my body conversation that I had, everything that was sort of going on. And we were able to really, really pinpoint and understand how my highest self, the highest self that you all have, we all have our highest self or our soul. This being, this entity, this soul, this experience is never the one that is making us restrict or manage or count calories or control. It's never the one that's doing that. And I found myself oftentimes noticing that there was different parts of me that would show up around food or show up around the body conversation. There was the part of me that tried to be perfect where I was like, okay, the next day I've got it. I'm gonna start my morning with my green juice and I'm gonna have this and I'm gonna have my salad. And it would be the one that was like planning everything. The one that was planning my workouts for the week, planning my walks, planning my calories for the day, planning my food, all of that. It was almost like the orthorexic type in a very extreme. And this actually is a part of internal family systems. So internal family systems revolves around the idea that all of us have many parts or inner personalities and that each part has its own individual way of handling various situations to manage the system as a whole. So we are going to interview the founder of IFS, Richard Swartz, and we will go into IFS in a really, really deep way. We will use various examples so that we can all understand this. But the way that I understand it is that we have our self. So we have our capital S self that exists. And this is the being that is completely calm, curious, has a lot of clarity, has a lot of compassion, has a lot of confidence, has a lot of creativity, has a lot of courage, and has a lot of connectedness. This is that beautiful, juicy, ooey-gooey part of us that feels so good. Like we know those moments when we're sitting in the grass, when we're touching a flower, when we're with our animals, when we're with someone we love, when we feel that self. We also know this when we are in that experience of flow or we are having an out-of-body experience where you do something you love and time just seems to pass. It is the higher self that is the true, true us. It is the true us at our core. This is the ultimate us. And when we look at the other parts that reside within us, they are a part of us, but they are not the true us. Because we know when we're in a situation, say if you're in a fight with your romantic partner and you know, you completely freak out and you start to call names and you start to do all these things, 
you know at your heart that is not your highest self that is expressing. That is a part of you that is responding to something that is having their system be overwhelmed by. So that part of you that is activated is a trauma response that is currently at their max level. And the way that they're protecting you is by freaking out and name calling. But we know that part, that experience that you're name calling and doing all those things is not your highest self. It's not your highest expression. So in understanding internal family systems, I've been able to really pull apart the parts of me to understand myself better and to have more confidence when I feel like I'm in my highest self experience. And because I can understand the different parts of me and how they express and how they support me in really protecting me, I'm able to really unblend them from each other and then from the highest self. So from a eating perspective, when we're thinking about disordered eating, there are three main roles of parts. And these exist in all parts of internal family systems from Richard Swartz. And they actually have used internal family systems in eating disorder recovery for years and years. And that's why my therapist has brought this to me because she uses it quite often when she's talking to people about disordered eating. So there's three main roles in the parts that exist within us from an IFS perspective. And they are the managers, the firefighters, and the exiles. So managers, firefighters, exiles. The managers really create stability and they run our day-to-day lives. So they're not necessarily bad. And again, there are no bad parts, but these are the parts that are proactive and encourage forward movement and they strive and they want us to improve. So does this sound familiar for any of us? They try to maintain control of each situation and relationship we encounter through behaviors such as perfectionism, people-pleasing, controlling, judging, and criticizing. So let me say that again. They try to maintain control of each situation and relationship we encounter through behaviors such as perfectionism, people-pleasing, controlling, judging, and criticizing. Ooh, our managers, I'm sure every one of our Almost 30 nation community managers are popping off because the managers are dope. From the outside, they really support us in living lives that we love. And through their ability to control situations often, they are able to, you know, help us succeed, help us strive. I was someone that my managers were popping. You know, I really had managers, um, and I'll just talk about the manager as it relates to the body, but my manager was experienced um, in the way of if I do everything right. I will be loved and no one will abandon me and I will not bring shame to my family. If I'm able to just get down to my goal weight, I'm going to be okay. So what I'm going to do to support that is control situations and strive to improve continuously. So this is what I was talking about previously when we never have an end goal and we're continuously striving to improve. So if we're someone that is always trying to be better, never satisfied, trying to control situations and experiencing behaviors of perfectionism, people-pleasing, controlling, judging, or criticizing, hello, all of us, then that can be experienced as the manager. So when we are identifying the manager and we're sort of unblending it from the higher self, we can see this being that has done an amazing job at really supporting us at all aspects of our lives, you know, really supporting us in being successful at work, um, having good relationships, having good abilities in social situations, being able to have a healthy life. And that is one thing too that's very interesting when we're looking at the manager archetype or manager role is that for me, my manager has been very supportive of my health journey. My manager has been very helpful for me in having a healthy Um, body in always prioritizing healthy foods, taking supplements, taking walks, all of those things. But it's always being mindful about when that manager is doing it for people-pleasing or control instead of because of the true desire for the highest self to feel vibrant and nourished and good. So we always have to be mindful about the manager because the manager can really, really get blended into the higher self. And we can be like, oh no, I'm just a perfectionist or I'm just, you know, really controlling. I'm just really judging. Those are aspects of us, but that is not the real us. And the managers I think are very, very prominent now on social media 
when we look at people that are health bloggers, nutritionists, Instagram influencers, people that are sharing all these things about health, wellness, nutrition, these are very much experiences of the manager. So we are, you know, controlling the food at times. We are presenting this air of perfectionism with our diet or nutrition. We are essentially sometimes controlling situations with our food. It can be a very good place for the manager to show up online as a way to to keep us into the trap of self-improvement and growth. These are oftentimes when we find ourselves really killing ourselves because we're trying to grow so much. We're trying to do so much self-help. We're trying to do all of these things, but we're actually doing it from a place of lack and fear rather than a place of high self-expression. So I always have to be mindful of when we see managers also show up online of other people. And the second one is firefighters. So firefighters are also called distractors and they're reactive and they try to make us shift gears and balance other parts of the system. So these parts protect us by extinguishing our harmful feelings through unhealthy behaviors. This is the being within us, the firefighter or distractor that oftentimes, you know, has healthy responses to things when they're overwhelmed. So if we think about a firefighter, there's a fire, the firefighter comes and takes water to put the fire out. What this firefighter tries to do is that when our systems are overwhelmed, when we are feeling completely overwhelmed, our body and self is looking for a way to regulate. And how it is learned to regulate oftentimes is through our parts. And so these parts, in this case, the firefighter, tries to make us shift gears quickly. And they can do this by disordered eating, self-harm, drug abuse, all of these things. Basically, it's like, I need to get relief now or I'm going to lose it. Oftentimes for me, this was like, I'm going to eat 12 cookies or I'm going to lose it. (laughs) So we get sent stuff a lot of times in the mail and people will be like, yeah, I'm just going to send you like a box of our cookies or a box of those things. And I'm like, I don't think you understand. They're like, yeah, just have one. I'm like, no, it's usually like 12 or nothing or 24 or nothing. It was always zero or nothing with me with that. And so it would be like, I am going to get relief from the overwhelm that I feel, from the stress that I feel, from the potential shame that I feel, from all of these negative feelings that I was experiencing by numbing in food. So it really for me was, I need to get relief from overwhelm and I'm going to do it through food. So the firefighters, again, protect us by extinguishing our harmful feelings through unhealthy behaviors. The third is exiles. So exiles are the parts of us that have experienced trauma and carry burdens, and they often become isolated within the system in order to protect us from feeling pain, fear, shame, and other negative emotions. So the exile part of us oftentimes are the parts that carry the emotions or feelings or experiences that we were so overwhelmed by that it's almost like a part of a splits. And these exiles can be very isolated within the system. So my experience with these exiles is that I have actually had a hard time getting close to them or getting to know them. So in a therapeutic experience with your therapist, or if you want to try this on your own, you're also able to try this on your own. You would be sitting in meditation and you'd have this experience where you'd basically call on your parts and sort of identify and unmesh these parts from you. But what I've found through my experience is that the exiles are hard for me to get to because they carry such burden and they carry such trauma that I need to be, for me personally, in a therapeutic experience to process it because things might come up that I maybe didn't expect or there might be situations or circumstances that I wasn't completely aware of in my conscious mind that my exiles were carrying. And there could be many, there could be few. It really would just depend on your situation and sort of how the parts of you have expressed themselves. So again, there is the manager, firefighters, and the exiles. So in addition to these three parts is the self, which I talked about before. So this is the highest self, which we've talked about many times on this show. And this highest self or um, the soul resides within us. Our self is our true unburdened and self-assured soul and cannot be damaged by experience. So we know that the highest self is so infinite, so omnipotent that it is not damaged or traumatized by experiences here on earth. Our souls have done this many, many times. They've been here before. They know the deal. They probably know what's going to happen before our human selves do. They're very much a witness. They're very much a guide. They're very much a support, and we're very much a part of them. 
this highest self or this capital S self is really, really self-assured. They're very confident and they are not damaged by any of these things or any of these parts. So it's really like the parts of us is more so aligned to the human experience and really provides us this beautiful map for understanding ourselves in a really deep way. So through a process called self-leadership, my therapist and I were really able to relate to and understand what each of our parts really needs so that we can feel more whole. We are born with this innate desire to self-preserve and protect ourselves from harm. Over time, it can really seem like the desire for us to self-preserve and protect can shift into thoughts and behaviors that on the surface seem really counterintuitive and harmful. None of us would wish eating disorders or disordered eating or body dysmorphia or body hate on anyone. And we really, really see it as this burden, this really negative thing. And that was me for most of my life. I saw it as this like my dark passenger and this thing that really controlled a lot of my experience. But it really was for me a way to protect myself in a deep way. I feel like it's party season. There are weddings and birthdays and baby showers and all the things. And I'm just so pumped. I am planning a just a celebration, a ceremony of sorts for my union. Hey, hey. And I am in the midst of looking at Evite and their fully customizable invitations for all occasions are just the best. Okay. So again, birthdays, weddings, baby showers, whatever you're celebrating virtually or in person, there are thousands of invitation template designs created by their community of professional artists to choose from, which is so cool. I love that I feel like an artist created my invite. Or you can upload your own unique design. Evite's design templates make it easy, fun, and simple to create an invitation so everything you're celebrating is extra special. And to really stop up your invites, you need to check out their premium invitations. So that's what I'm digging into. And it just takes a few minutes to create and send invitations to everyone on your guest list. I love that it's quick, okay? I know sometimes like the RSVP tracking and all that can be so overwhelming, but they do it for you. It's included. And you can link an Amazon or Target gift registry to your invite for guests to use too. It's amazing. They also have evites that you can send as a greeting card. So if you're not planning anything, but you're going to something, you can send an e-card using Evite. Evite is making my planning so easy, fun, and exciting and super, super special. And they can do the same for all your celebrations too. So head over to evite.com slash almost 30 to choose from thousands of design options to create and send invitations for free. Evite.com slash almost 30. Evite.com slash almost 30. Did you know that the drugs we take to manage period cramps were invented in the 1950s and exclusively tested on men? <laughs> what? It's literally outrageous that there hasn't been more innovation when it comes to periods. Deloon is changing that with dietitian formulated solutions that relieve our symptoms while actually supporting cycle health. Because our cycles affect every aspect of our wellness, period pain, mood, sleep, skin, metabolism, energy, and more. I, I don't know about you, but you know, some some months I'm like, oh my gosh, like everything has to stop, but it really can't because I'm experiencing, you know, really bad cramps or headaches, fatigue, you, bloating, you name it. I've really tried a lot of things and while I think I've gotten most of my symptoms under control, it doesn't mean they still don't happen and kind of disrupt my flow. So I was really excited to find Deloon and recommend it to a lot of my friends. And they have been absolutely loving it. I was talking to a friend the other day that experienced like really, really bad periods, cramps, and just all these symptoms. And she was so happy uh, to try Deloon. She's noticed that her symptoms have subsided. They don't last as long. They're not as intense. And she can really just be in her life, which is really nice. So Deloon Nutritional Solutions are dietitian formulated to work with your cycle health, not 
against it. It'll help you all month long while also relieving your cramps and PMS during your period. Saloon creates effective drug-free supplements for period cramps, PMS, and optimal cycle health. So you can get the relief you need naturally, which I'm all about, and start feeling like your best self. So if you want high-potency, fast-acting supplements for your period cramps, PMS, and really getting your cycle health in its prime top condition, like 92% of their customers report that relief, try Daloon. Leave bad periods behind and start the new year off with 23% off. Go to cyclehealth.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 to get 23% off plus free shipping. If Daloon isn't the right match for you, your money back is guaranteed. That's cyclehealth.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 to get 23% off plus free shipping. My managers existed as the part of me that really created that stability that thought they could control their way to freedom. That was controlling my food, controlling my workouts, controlling my situations where I'd be like looking at menus in advance. I'd be planning out all my meals. I would be making sure that my workouts counterbalanced everything I was eating, et cetera. And these would be basically supporting me from feeling like I wasn't going to be loved because that was my fear. If I gain weight, I will not be loved. If I gain weight, I will not be successful. If I gain weight, um, I will be abandoned. And so this manager part of me exists to really support me in doing everything that I can to not have that happen. So the manager's like, yo, I am gonna make us strive and improve for better. We are always gonna be trying to lose weight. We are always gonna be trying to be healthy and da-da-da-da-da-da, all these things, because I'm so scared of being abandoned, being left, being unsuccessful. So we're gonna be doing all the things. So really trying to control every situation in my life and you know relationships through perfectionism and people-pleasing and just a lot of control. So our critical thoughts or managers are often our mind's way of alerting us to something that wants us to pay attention to or protect us from harm. Thoughts of body image dissatisfaction may be our mind's way of protecting us from the pain of being objectified, bullied, or assaulted like in the past. So it could also be if you were a victim of sexual assault, if you have been objectified or bullied, this manager also comes in and says, hey, we're going to make sure we're doing everything we can so that I'm no longer objectified, so that I'm no longer bullied, or I'm no longer assaulted. And those could also be on the other end of the spectrum, where in my case, I was like, okay, I'm going to be super controlling about my food and my experience. But we could also gain weight or put on weight or hold a lot of weight in our body because we feel like it protects us. There's also that experience as well. A lot of times sexual assault survivors will put on a lot of weight to protect themselves from being objectified or from feeling like someone's gonna take advantage of them because they had this weight protecting them. So it can be experienced in a lot of different ways. Similarly with eating disorders, so when we restrict, when we binge, when we purge, we are really trying to soothe, distract, and protect ourselves. This is the firefighter. So when our systems are overwhelmed, when we went through something traumatic, we're super stressed, we're just, you know, really going through it, this firefighter comes in. Both of these amazing parts of us are just doing everything they can to really, really give us as much protection as possible. And that's what I think is so powerful about leveraging internal family systems for body acceptance is that both, all parts, all parts are good but all parts are really here to protect us. Like when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, when I'm binging bags and bags of granola <laughs> or protein bars or ice cream or whatever the frick, it's really because I'm so overwhelmed that I'm not allowing, and I'm not allowing myself the space and grace to feel that my body's just really, really trying to soothe me. And I'm really, really just trying to distract myself from the stress that I'm going through. And I'm really just trying to protect myself. And my managers too, our managers too, really, really working to protect ourselves. So the internal logic of behavior for a firefighter, as an example, might sound something like, if I binge, I can find comfort and I can really soothe myself from the pain I experience from feeling unloved. So we're feeling unloved, we're looking for soothing, we might binge to soothe ourselves from the pain. And there's a lot of neurochemical things happening within the brain when we're eating. And especially when we're eating very comforting foods, 
that are high in fat, high in salt, high in sugar, there's actually things that happen within the body and the brain that affirm the soothing within our body. So it really becomes a neurochemical dependence in a lot of different ways. The manager might say, if I restrict, I can protect myself by maintaining the level of control I need to feel because my life feels chaotic right now. My life is feeling crazy. I have no control, but what I want to do is control. So if I control, I can really protect myself by maintaining a level of safety and understanding what I'm eating or putting in my body. So that would really be the manager. So when we really begin to recognize the positive intention of all these parts, we can really soften towards those parts within ourselves and try to understand them. And that's what I found to be so powerful. So when I look at my manager, when I look at my firefighter, I'm really just able to see, oh my God, you really love me. And that's why you're being crazy. <laughs> There's a part of you that's crazy. And it's because I really love myself and I want to protect myself from the pain I went through in my childhood or growing up in my experience. So one of the most healing things we can do is have compassionate curiosity towards our thoughts, emotions, and behaviors and what they're really trying to tell us. So if we find ourselves, and I had to do this for a few years, when I found myself in a binge moment, I would just be like, you know those moments, if you've ever binged, it is off to the races, baby. And you wake up and you're like, what just happened? Oh my God. But I would sometimes awaken mid-binge and be like, I am able to witness what is happening right now. I'm able to see myself. I'm able to see what's going on. And I'm able to have a compassionate curiosity towards it. In that moment, I wouldn't change my behavior. I wouldn't try and stop. I wouldn't try and do anything but to witness myself. And I think that's what's really hard at times for this process is that we really need to witness ourselves for quite some time before we take action. So this is really having compassionate curiosity towards what your thoughts, what your emotions and behaviors are really trying to tell us. Because if you go in when you're in a binge moment and you have your firefighter just really supporting you to self-soothe and you're like, hey, we've got to stop. I need, you need to stop. This is really unhealthy. This is going to make you gain weight. Is that the highest self? No, that is a manager because your manager is trying to control the firefighter. So always be mindful to bring compassionate curiosity. So a compassionate, curious approach, which my highest self would do is just being like, wow. <laughs> and honestly, I laugh at myself. My highest self, we're, we're often laughing. It is often laughing at me because it's a hilarious thing to witness when you're like, wow, look at this human just going to town at this food. Thank you, food, for nourishing me. Thank you, food, for soothing me. Thank you for my ability to have this food to provide me with the relief that I need. Okay, that is that moment. And then maybe later when I'm calmer and I'm able to really see myself, I can be like, huh, what was happening that day that led me to that place where I felt so overwhelmed I needed relief? What are ways in which I can support myself from not being so overwhelmed where I need that relief? And that is the action that we would take in a really kind and gentle, curious and compassionate way. So this is not to say that we should never seek comfort from outside sources like food or people. Life can be really, really hard. And each one of us, you know, we're going to need time to avoid, to distract, to numb, or soothe ourselves with things like working or exercising or even scrolling social media, having a glass of wine or eating a sweet treat. And there's nothing wrong with allowing yourself to have what you really need to soothe yourself. So the shift that I'm really working on that I would love and encourage you to explore is to really embrace and befriend all parts of us, embracing and befriending our experiences, including all those negative thoughts, the unpleasant emotions, the destructive behaviors, and just welcoming them in with open-hearted curiosity. I mean, y'all, this is shadow work. Like when we're talking about shadow work, this is very much shadow work because when I was doing some IFS work with my therapist, I had an exile come out and this exile was mad. This was a very, very angry, rageful part of me that had felt a lot of rage from various traumatic experiences. And when we really, really seek to understand, bring compassionate, loving awareness and seek to befriend these parts of us, that is the ultimate shadow work. That is a part of us that deserves our love 
And when we learn to love the darkest parts of us, that is when we become whole. And that is really when we step into our magnetism in a really, really powerful way. So when we are working on our parts, it is also shadow work. So when we're able to really, really empathize with these parts of us, when we're able to understand how they're trying to help us and if their fears would come true, what would happen or what would happen if they didn't do their job, we can really open the door to uncover the stories of our trauma and shame that each of our parts are trying to keep us safe from. So once parts, you know, my manager, my exile, my firefighter are being heard and compassionately witnessed, they can really begin to unburden and heal so they go back to their natural preferred roles in our system. So they always will have roles within our system. They will always exist within our system, but they will exist and coexist with the highest self in control. Over time, our parts learn increasingly to trust the self's ability to take care of themselves. So imagine you have all these parts of you running the show. Once they are tapered and once they are understood, compassionately listened to, and just respected, then they're able to just chill a little bit because they know the highest self has it all under control. So if you're struggling with body image, with body acceptance, with anything related to the experience in this human body that you feel like is really challenging for you, you can really begin to get curious with kindness about the part of yourself and start to have a relationship with it. So that is my number one takeaway is getting curious. And it's interesting, I will say, you know, if you hear someone say, hey, get curious about that part of you that wants to control or restrict or binge or all those things, oftentimes one of our parts will come through and say, I can't do that. If I get curious, I'm gonna get fat. If I get curious, I'm gonna do this. If I get curious, I'm... and it's actually very interesting when we are shown a kinder, gentler way, what parts of us show up to try and protect ourselves because they feel like we're gonna lose control if we surrender, if we let go, if we approach it with kindness and curiosity, because oftentimes we've been told that those methods don't work, that it has to hurt, it has to be painful. So always remember that the highest self is really compassionate, self-assured. It is the real you. And that's what we want to tap into. Some suggestions for you when you're engaging with yourself in this really curious, kind way is to ask yourself questions like, when you engage in this behavior or negative thinking, what is your intention or what is your mission? How are you trying to help me? So if I was to approach my manager, my controlling manager, and I say, oh my gosh, I really see you and I love you. You've done such an amazing job of keeping me as healthy as possible and really keeping me on this journey. I really appreciate that. I would then say, you know, when you're engaging in the controlling behavior of counting calories or making sure that I'm working out as much as I'm eating, what is your intention? Like, what are you thinking you want to do? And how are you trying to help me? And you might hear this part of you respond with whatever response is appropriate for you. You could also ask, you know, what are you afraid will happen if you stop doing this behavior or negative thinking? Like, what do you think is going to happen? For me, my part would say, I'm going to lose love. I'm going to be abandoned. And you can really get down to that core wound, the core wound, and then you can figure out where that came from. So the goal of this self-leadership and internal family systems work is asking yourself questions to not minimize or disown the parts of you, but to really gain an understanding of how these parts are trying to help you and to differentiate your individual parts from your true self the highest self, which you can do on the path to healing. If you want more information about internal family systems, we are going to do an interview with Richard Swartz of IFS. It is going to be powerful and I'm really excited to share it with you. I also highly suggest getting with a therapist that does parts work that can help you on this journey. And you can also use um, a lot of the processes I talked about in this episode to start your journey. I think really understanding that we have these parts and their roles is really profound and important. So you can play with that on your own. I will leave you all with a quote, one of the best. And I said to my body softly, I want to be your friend. It took a long breath and replied, I have been waiting my whole life for this. That's Nairia Waid. So good. 
Okay. I love you guys. Thank you for always being a place where I can share about things like this on the podcast. Almost 30 has meant everything to me. I'm so grateful that I can be a guide for you along this journey in life. I love you so much. Again, I will talk to you soon. If you want to be in conversation with me, you can find me on Instagram at It's Krista. Thank you so much, me. <laughs> Thank what you. part for, of you? I know. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Whatever self that was. That was my podcast self. Um, thank you for listening to Almost 30. If this episode resonated with you, share it with a friend. That's how we've grown. And that's how we can have deeper conversations with connections in our life by sharing things that resonate with us and maybe opening up a conversation about our body journey, about parts, about therapy, whatever. Mm-hmm. Thank you to the sponsors for this episode. As always, just bringing you brands that we really love and use. You can find all discount information in our show notes or on our website, almost30.com with all of our other partners as well. We have some special discounts for Almost 30 listeners exclusively. All right. Thank you so much for being here. New episodes every single week. We will see you on the next one. Thanks all. Thank you guys. Bye.